Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Level Up Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Snipes, and we are going through a series of the mature masculine archetypes. And so these archetypes, if you're new to us, if you want to go back a few episodes and get some context, you can. But if not, let me fill you in briefly. These archetypes could be thought of as patterns of behavior for all humanity that we unconsciously fall into, sort ourselves into. And these are transcultural patterns, meaning they can be observed all around the world in different cultures, even before there was communication, uh, overt communication between the cultures, and they're transtemporal, meaning they span the course of time. The four main masculine archetypes we are looking at, the mature masculine, are the king, the warrior, the magician, and the lover. And today, in episode three, we are getting to the warrior. The warrior is going to need to be partnered with the king to be rightly oriented, and we'll explain why. But today, I want to give six ways to harness, to channel, to cultivate the warrior energy. And now, before we get into the mature masculine of the warrior, it's helpful to point out the immature version of that, which is the hero. So the immature masculine, or the boy psychology version of the warrior, is referred to as the hero. And you might say, well, I thought the goal, I thought the aim was to be the hero. But this is not the case. The hero ultimately is concerned with their own glory. The hero picks fights just for the sake of picking fights because they want to go down in the history books. It's about them and their cause. This is very similar to the immature masculine form of the king, which is the prince. Remember we said the prince, just like the hero, seeks external validation. That is, that is a hallmark of the immature masculine as opposed to seeking a higher calling. And within that hero, the immature masculine version of the warrior, you have two shadow poles, and that would be the grandstander bully and the coward on, the, on either end. One that leans into the energy, but incorrectly, and the other that runs from the energy, which would be the coward. So let's talk about six ways to channel the warrior archetype. Yesterday, my friend Logan told me to check out a documentary on professional hockey called Ice Guardians. And I have just been a casual observer of hockey, I guess you could say. All, all I knew is some basic rules, and I knew that there was a lot of fighting. I knew fights broke out, and I always scratched my head and, and wondered why this was allowed, and I knew it was an entertaining part of the sport. But this went into the role of those who were put on the ice to fight. I didn't realize this was a thing. And they're called enforcers. And over the course of this documentary, they get into the psychology of these guys, and they get to hear from them, but also they, they unpack the culture. And one thing they observed about these enforcers, or the slang term is a goon, and some of them can actually play hockey, but some are there just literally to take off the gloves and throw punches. But they said that these enforcers ironically have the highest moral code on the ice. And the reason for this is that the enforcers are willing to sacrifice their own health and well-being, their hands, their faces, for the sake of their team, for those that they are there to protect. And at one point, something very interesting was said. This um, sociologist was talking about the phenomenon on the team, and he said what he has observed in cultures and here in, in hockey on the ice is that the men naturally sort themselves into four categories. Now, he didn't use the word archetypes, but listen to this. 
He said, you'll have a leader. You'll have an enforcer who's there to protect the leader and protect the cause. You'll have a nerd. Okay, this is the, the wise guy, know-it-all kind of guy. doesn't have to be smug, but this is the one with the, the head knowledge. And then you'll have the, the joker, the comedian. And he said at one point they did, did something where they put a bunch of leaders together to see what would happen. And as fate would have it, all four of those archetypes emerged. The leader, the enforcer, the nerd, and the joker. And that maps, I was, I was kind of getting chills realizing that maps perfectly onto the king, the warrior, the magician, and the lover. In other words, these archetypes reveal themselves in sports and in groups, and I would even say in family systems as well. So you could think about these ice guardians as warrior archetypes. They're pulling from that energy. So let's talk about once that hero, the immature masculine, goes through the crisis, goes through the battle, is battle-tested, they move into the realm of the mature masculine, which puts them in the realm of the warrior. Now, the warrior has two shadows. So I'll refer back to these shadows as guidelines, as, as fence posts, as we work our way through the six ways to cultivate the warrior energy. So the two shadows, you could think of this like a triangle where you have the warrior, the healthy warrior at the top and at the bottom of the triangle on the opposite ends, the opposite poles, you have their shadow version. One shadow is the sadist. This shadow warrior is the one that seeks pain for the sake of it. They are not afraid to lean into aggression, into anger. They train, they're disciplined, but they use that to inflict pain on others. They use it for evil. And then on the other end of that warrior shadow, you have the coward or the masochist, you could say. There's something in them that knows power is important to have around. Aggression is important. But because they don't want to be the one inflicting the aggression, they outsource it to someone else and make themselves the recipient of that aggression. I hear echoes of BDSM in this concept right here. So without further ado, let's get into Six ways to cultivate the warrior within. Number one, the warrior takes action. The warrior energy allows someone to take action without thinking, without process time, because they've put in the time and they've trained, they've lived, they've visualized potentialities, they've spent the time ahead of time practicing over and over. This way, when something happens, the warrior does not have to deliberate, doesn't have to pull out a T-chart, doesn't have to weigh pros and cons. The warrior can act off sheer instinct, training, and it's driven by duty, which we'll talk about more. The duty is the driving factor of the warrior, the duty to the higher calling, to the king and to the kingdom. To pull off the healthy warrior, you have to be partnered with the king energy because it is that king energy that is the chief among them all. So the king must function properly since all other masculine archetypes draw on the king. So the warrior can only function well if he is in service of a good king. So that's number one, the warrior takes action. Number two, the warrior has controlled aggression. Now, this is an energy that involves pulling on anger. Anger as an emotion has lots of energy. A lot of people fear anger. A lot of people run from anger. I think about the, uh, the part of the Bible where it says, be angry, but do not sin. That there is an allowance for anger 
as an emotion. There are no good or bad emotions, I've heard it said, but only our reactions to them. There are destructive and constructive reactions. And so it is with anger. Does the anger emotion lead you to constructive action or does it lead you to destructive action? But if we fear the anger itself and we, we bury it and we repress it, this is the kind of people who have a huge blow up once or twice a year and it seems like it's out of nowhere and it ends up hurting innocent people because they've tried to bury the anger instead of channeling it constructively. And that's what the warrior does. They consciously channel their aggression into different parts of their life. Uh, you could think the psychoanalyst talked about this concept, I think about Jung in particular, as the libido, as a life force. So where Freud would talk about it as strictly sexual, the libido, and maybe you think about it in that way, Jung saw this as a burning life force that could be channeled into different parts. The warrior has the capacity, the power to be dangerous. The warrior has put in the work. I think about this Jordan Peterson quote where he says, man up, monster up, get dangerous, and then subject that to a higher calling, which is love. And so that's why to avoid being the sadist, that warrior has to be partnered with the good king. That is the love he's subjecting his power, his strength to. Now, if that warrior goes rogue, which you see this in books and movies, that's when issues arise. He's not fighting for the service of the kingdom when he goes to fight for himself or when he un unleashes that chaotic energy without any direction, all sorts of people get hurt, including the warrior. So the warrior has, number two, controlled aggression. The shadow warriors get used by the energy. They are uh, taken for a ride. Their emotions control them rather than controlling it. I heard somebody say that emotions are like children, that you don't want them driving the car, but you don't want to stuff them in the trunk either. It's a good way to think about it. So the shadow warrior of the masochist or the sadist, they are driven by the anger, by the aggression. So the question there, do you control your anger and, uh, and your aggression, or does it control you? Number three, mindfulness. The warrior is mindful. He knows his surroundings, and I'm using he in these examples, but the warrior has its feminine alternative in the mother, which we'll get to later. So you can, if you're a woman listening, it's also wise to cultivate these masculine archetypes. So when you hear he, include in your mind ways to cultivate the same energies. The warrior is always alert, highly aware. In the mindfulness, this means that the warrior chooses his battles consciously. He's aware of why he's fighting. There's not the arbitrary nature like the hero to go out and make a name for himself. So the warrior is mindful. He's mindful of the mission. He's mindful of the role he plays. He knows when to turn it on, and he knows when to sit it out. He picks his battles. He chooses his hill to die on. Number four warrior energy has to do with boundaries. In the last podcast, we talked about the king who creates boundaries. Part of his ordering as the king is to make boundaries. And I told you that he partners with the warrior to maintain and protect the boundaries that the king has made. So all of these things, you got to think about, they, you can only pull these off rightly if all four king, warrior, magician, lover are working together 
in harmony. You can make boundaries all day long, but if you don't have the warrior to step up and protect the boundaries that you have set, then what good are the boundaries? Number five warrior energy, discipline. One of the primary ways that the warrior is able to step up and act through instinct, through reflex, is because discipline. It's because the warrior knows who he is. He knows his strengths and his weaknesses. If you're unsure of who you are, there's a lot of question marks in your head. Oh man, can I step in? Can I handle this challenge? Am I strong enough? Am I good enough? The indecisiveness comes from not knowing yourself and not knowing your surroundings. But if you know the layout of the land, if you know what you're up against, you know the enemy, you know the challenge, the obstacle, and you know what you're capable of, you can decisively act. So it is discipline that allows for decisiveness. The disciplined warrior knows his strengths and weaknesses because he's been through extremely hard things. He's been tested. He knows his limits because he's met his limits. So we ask ourselves, do I know my limits? Well, one way I come to know them is by pushing myself to my limits. That's how you find out, quote unquote, what you're made of. How deep am I? How far can I go? What can I handle? And unfortunately, that means loading yourself up sometimes with responsibility. It means putting yourself in a situation that is difficult and hard. Someone said every day, do something that sucks. And what this is doing is checking you in with yourself, with the deep parts of yourself. How deep, how strong, how durable am I? And that means you're going to have times where you crash and you're overloaded. But you are aware of what you're doing. That's all part of the experiment of finding your edges, your boundaries. Then you dial back, you rest, you refocus, but now you know where your limits are. Now you know where your boundaries are. So discipline is key right there. Jocko Willink, former Navy SEAL commander, and as I say that, there's a helicopter that has... Listen to that, that's beautiful. Perfect timing as it flies overhead during the warrior podcast. Can you hear it? Special effects brought to you by way of the army. I assume that's the army that's flying over. There's a a helicopter with whatever it's called. It's got the two different propellers, and it flies over the neighborhood occasionally. It's very loud. And sometimes it makes some slow circles, and I don't know what is going on there. But I assume... They're running a disciplined routine, so when the time comes, they can act out of the warrior energy. So the warrior has been tested. You ask yourself, has my body been tested? Has my will been tested? Well, maybe, maybe one time years ago, I did something that pushed me to my limits. But there's that doubt in the back of your mind that says, could I still do it? You know, I knew who I was then, but do I know who I am now? And this is why, this is why it has to be a daily, a weekly stepping into the unknown to find yourself. Has your will, your spirit been tested? Have your emotions been tested? Do you know your emotional limits? The warrior can step in decisively because they've disciplined their emotions and they know they're not going to fly off the hook. They've disciplined their anger. So they know they can step in and they've at least controlled for the variable of their own emotion. They can control what they can control. Do you have a discipline? Have you been tested? And number six, the driving force behind the warrior is purpose. 
You could think of it as duty, doing what has to be done for a higher calling. The conscious warrior, notice the word conscious, as opposed to the shadow warrior who is taken for a ride unconsciously by their, de- by their desires, by the anger and aggression. The conscious warrior serves a higher purpose. I'll say it again. The conscious warrior serves a higher purpose. He serves the king, the good king, and he serves the kingdom. So my challenge to you is to look in the mirror and ask yourself, who do you serve? And one way to answer that question is, where is your attention? Where are your eyes pointed? Atten- you know, I was thinking today, there's no difference between attention and worship. And that's because our attention is guided by our values. What we view as worthy, right, root of worship, is what guides our eyes to look at things. There's an infinite amount of things nearly in this world we could look at and spend our time focusing on. But what we find valuable, important, pressing, crucial to our lives, that's what we pay attention to. What we see as a threat, what we see as a source of pleasure, those are the places where our attention goes. So one way to ask ourselves about our purpose is what do we focus on? Where does our attention go? The conscious warrior serves a higher purpose, serves the king and the kingdom. The warrior must be partnered with the king to pull these things off. And so hopefully you start to see the way that these archetypes are interlaced. And this isn't some shallow personality test where you say, I'm a warrior. And my friend over here, he's a king. The idea is you have all four of these king, warrior, magician, lover. Ideally, if you're in the mature form, perhaps you have the prince and the hero and the Oedipal child, which we'll get to. You have the immature versions because you haven't been through the initiation, the testing to move into the masculine realms. So my challenge for you is to bring all four of these up. I want these podcasts to be an aid to help us bring these deep, ancient voices up with inside of us to hold ourselves in balance and to allow us the well-roundedness of humanity that's possible in these archetypes. So just as a recap, here are the six warrior energies we talked about today. The warrior takes action. The warrior controls anger and aggression. The warrior is mindful, alert, aware. The warrior, number four, protects and maintains boundaries. Number five, the warrior does this through discipline. And number six, the warrior has purpose. Take at least one of these. Take inventory. Take ownership. Ask yourself, where can you lean into the warrior energy in partnership with cultivating and developing the king energy that we talked about in the last episode? The sky is the limit of who you can be in your strength in your decisiveness and courage. And I wish I had a front row seat to every single person that gets to incorporate these ideas and make their life better. It's such a beautiful thing. Keep challenging each other. Cultivate these energies. And let's grow together in mind, in body, and spirit. Level up.